Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. My lovely wife is going to join me tonight, which is really, really cool. She's going to come any minute now. Now. Now she's coming. But um, we've been doing the series, Are You Crazy? Have you enjoyed it? Are you learning? I, I, you know, the challenge is, when, what do you do with the series? What do you do with the series on faith? Do you go and run at a mountain and try to tell it to come down? Or maybe, maybe that's what God's calling you to. But there's got to be a response. There's got to be a, it, I think the word calls us to respond and calls us to a bigger story, a greater story. And um, this morning, Kenz did something. She shared some of her story and some of her testimony. We're not going to do all of that um, today, tonight. So if you'd love to hear it, it's, it'll be on the website. But we're going to just sh- share into one or two areas. And I think even that amazing song, is it a great story? I'd love to share a, piece, a passage of scripture that is at the end of Hebrews 11 and just share one or two points from there. And I'm going to ask Kenz to share one or two things from her story. Is that all right? A little bit different tonight. It's holidays. I feel everyone's a bit, I'm going to have to make you stand up and do a handstand or something. Come on. Come on. Give me some love there. Miriam, behave yourself on the red chair, marching. I can see you from here. That's it. But um, Hebrews 11 goes like this, verse 29. It says, By faith they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the harlot did not perish along with those who were disobedient after she had welcomed the spies in peace. And what is more shall I say? For time will fail me if I tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David and Samuel and the prophets, who by faith conquered kingdoms, performed acts of righteousness, obtained promises, shut the mouths of lions. I want that to be a story. And I don't, by the end of my day, I love to shut the mouth of a lion. Quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, Women received back their dead by resurrection. And there's a bit of a shift in the scripture, and it goes like this, as it carries on. And others were tortured, not accepting their release in order that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others experienced mockings and scourgings. Yes, also chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, and they were sawn in two. They were tempted. They were put to death with the sword. They went about in sheepskins, in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, wandering in deserts, and mountains and caves, and holes in the ground. It's a radical scripture. If you take the context of the scripture, we all think by faith, and they did these amazing things, and they conquered, and, and we think by faith is a story, or come on church, let's do something radical for Jesus. And yet I think as we look, there's a fog over the issue of faith in the church. And this is a whole preaching. I want to take 10 minutes just to bring a bit of light into the story. There's... Stop. He stopped. And, um, but, but in the area of faith, there's a bit of a fog and there's teaching. And much of it has to do with the teaching of all faith brings health. It brings wealth and prosperity. And when there's not health, wealth, and prosperity, the reason must be there's no faith. Have you heard some teaching like that in the church? Good-hearted. It's like, if you've got faith, you will see health, wealth, and prosperity. So rise up in your faith and name it and claim it and take it. It's yours. The problem is I read the scriptures, and there's a distinct thing. Some saw 
walls come down. They saw challenges, but some didn't. And yet they're still celebrated as heroes of faith. And I think the church, we, I'm going to make a few key points just for us to understand and to ground faith for us in a story. And not to dull it down or mull it down, but I think when we claim it, it's like, well, you just claim it and you just claim it. I think we step into to presumptuous territory. And presumption is quite a thing. It, and I think there's much presumption. The first thing is this, is through our God, God can and does do miracles. I believe in a God who raises the dead. Can I say that? Who raises the dead. When people lay hands on the sick, I've seen blind eyes healed. Trust me, when I prayed for my first deaf person and they, they received their I was more shocked than him. Trust me. I, I started testing me, go around the back to whisper to see if he can hear. And I, I, I was disbelieving after this amazing miracle happening. I worship a God and we worship a God who does miracles. We also worship a God who does amazing things just by his acts of providence. That he is good and he is faithful. When you read these scriptures, the wall of Jericho came down. That's a pretty amazing thing. The sea ocean opened up. It's a pretty miraculous thing. So we worship at God, and by our faith, we access some of these pretty miraculous moments. I mean, there's Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego walking through fire. It's pretty cool. It's not like a party trick you see every time. But pretty amazing, amazing things. And God breaks into the normal in the most extraordinary of ways to bring a different result. And that's, faith can unlock that. Faith also unlocks the providence of God. We read about Rahab, who was a prostitute, and God, he says, well, she just, she wasn't harmed. Now, in some ways, there's no miraculous in that. Her section of the wall didn't come down. She wasn't. But the providence of God meant she was saved. She was kept safe. And, and R.C. Sproul calls it the invisible hand of God. It's like you can't say, well, God did a healing there or God did this. But it's the invisible hand of God at work where man doesn't understand and woman doesn't understand. But God's at work. But we know it's God because he doesn't break his promises and he's faithful and true. And I, I think it's incredibly Helpful for us to understand that we worship a God and faith unlocks both the miraculous and it unlocks the providence of God, the faithfulness there, the, the invisible hand of God in the story. Is that all right? The next point is this, is that sometimes by faith, God sustains people through sufferings. And I think this is where there's a weakness, there's a challenge in the church. It's like faith gets us to the other side. If it doesn't get to the other side, well, it couldn't have been faith. Because faith gets us to the other side. I read Hebrews 11, and I see people who sawn in half. <laughs> I'm not sure that would look like the other side to me. I would like to get to the other side with both body parts together. One piece. I, I, see, I see stories of people that says others were tortured, others experienced mockings and scourgings. Is that unbelief? Because my Bible says these are her heroes of the faith who just didn't see the fullness and there's got to be an element of faith is the thing that holds us, that stands us. And, and, and when we get to the challenge, it's faith that both holds us. And the end result is not my responsibility. I know we're dealing with a massive subject here. And I went down in, in about 2008. I started, I really was contending and I still contend for healing. But I started going a road where, where healing was more my responsibility than it was more God's. Does it make sense? It's like it's my faith that gets people healed. And the problem is we become the sense of that story. And when it, the healing doesn't happen, we become the reason the healing doesn't happen. I've been blamed. There, there was a young child who passed away, and the father blamed the elders for not having enough faith. 
as the reason that child passed away. And I'm going through a process to say, God, where is the line here? Where does my faith meet your story and your sovereignty challenge my faith and call us to the big story? Because I read your word and it says, contend for more. Keep contending for more, regardless of what you do see and regardless of what you don't see. That's the life of faith. I want to make another statement that having faith is not the ultimate determining factor in whether or not we see the promised land or don't, whether or not we see the suffering that some of these did see or don't. Right now, within a community like this, some are suffering, some have got challenges, some have lost loved ones this year. Faithful men and women who have loved, they've sowed, they've been generous, are struggling to fall pregnant. That's a suffering. What do you do with that? How do you handle that? How do you, what do you say to that? Is, is it my faith that is the ultimate determining factor? And I want to say God's sovereign will and his wisdom and his love is actually greater than my faith. My faith is my ability to trust him. My faith is my ability to keep throwing myself into his arms no matter what comes. But ultimately, it's still God is God. God is unfathomable. And I love the scripture, and, and I want to jump to it if I can find it. Um, and I can't find it right now. I'm not used to using my iPad. Here we go. Is there anyone around who can explain God? Romans 11 verse 34. Anyone smart enough to tell him what to do? Anyone who has done him such huge favor that God has to ask his advice? Everything comes from him. Everything happens through him. Everything happen, ends up in him. Always glory. Always praise. Yes, yes, yes. And I think the reason that I, I didn't really want to spend a lot of time preaching on this tonight is as we come to the end of this Are You Crazy series, and we're calling a church to jump into stories that look like God's stories, that look like God has his fingerprints all over him. I think there's an understanding in the in the world and in the church and a teaching in the church that when you jump, God will respond in the way you think he will respond. The challenge is we read the story of Peter walking on the water and we kind of think, well, what God did is he put this layer of concrete just under the, 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 the top of the water. I don't know what you, I, I imagine that for years. I think, well, God must have turned that water to something else. But I read the story and it tells me Peter walked on water. God didn't change the circumstances. He just allowed him to do the miraculous. And I think we've got to believe in a God who can overwhelm our thoughts, our smallness of thinking, our ability to understand what he's up to. You never know what God's up to. In the trial and the challenge, I promise you, I look back on my life, I know the greatest areas of growth and the times of me trusting God haven't been in the times when life was rosy and life was great. Most of our heroes of the faith, their stories came out of moments of trial and challenge. And I think one aspect of faith that is missing in much of the faith story is actually faithfulness to walk the journey. That with regardless of whether the suffering or the, 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 the challenge comes, or whether you walk into the fullness, the story of faith is a story of believing God. The story of faith is not, it happened, I got to the end. And trust me, it doesn't mean we're going to stop contending. One of the, the cultures, one of the, the beliefs, one of the very essences of who we are as a people, being the church, and who we are as a people in the local church of life changes, is we will be a people who won't stop contending. Does that make sense? When the, when the sick get sick, 
and cancer rears its head, we won't stop laying it there, our hands, to see that cancer flee. We won't stop. But we understand this, God is God. And my journey is to keep looking to him like my son on an SUP board with the wind blowing against him and in all of his strength, with everything inside of him, he couldn't get back. Our job is to keep looking to him, to the one who's seated on his throne and is unmoved. Does that make sense? I, I wanted to just, I know that's a big concept. And I know that might even challenge some of your thinking around issues like healing and that. And I think we're going to speak about some of those things in the new year. But I want to make sure as we come to a close of this Are You Crazy series, is the, the thing, the essence of that question is, it's not about how crazy I am to jump, it's how crazy I am about God. How crazy I am about our faith is being utterly in love with all that God will be for us beyond the grave. You know that? That when we get pulled into his kingdom, we get given a different perspective and a different lens, and we get to see beyond death. Death is not the end. Death is the beginning of life with Christ. Death is the beginning of a new story. And when we hold on to that, and we are so secure in our understanding of that, the challenges and the trials that will come. And I want, to sh- I want Candy to share one or two of her stories of challenges or trials. Because they're real. Is that good? And we want to cultivate part of the Hebrew story and the mission of our church, this church, and the church of God is to cultivate and spread a death-defying passion for God. A death-defying passion for God. That whether we walk into the promises and our trust, we'll walk into all the promises because we live under his favor and Jesus has come and he's ushered in his kingdom. These are some big concepts. But even if we don't, what do we do with that? I know that there are promises that God has given me and I know there might be some, some, some dreams in my heart that I might not walk into. And here's the thing. Do I love God regardless? Am I captivated by the King of Kings regardless? Do I trust Him regardless? Knowing that even though this boat is going that way and safety is that way, that His eyes are on me and that He will come. I want to just put, that was 10 minutes of I trust something that will settle you. Find yourself in the Word of God. Find yourself in, in Jesus, in standing on the promises that Jesus brings because I promise you that church will change the world. That church will change the world. It's easy to be up when it's all happening and the healing's happening. And I've been in church when seasons where God seems to be healing more than other seasons. And I'm going, I like this season, God, can I stay here forever? But that's not the promise. The promise is through winter, summer, spring, or fall, He is faithful. Whether the sun is shining outside, whether there's money in the bank or not, He is faithful. He's still Father. Whether the woman you love loves you back or not. And she wants to marry you or not. He's still faithful. And he's the king of kings seated on his throne. And I just, I just wanted to put that in because I'm not going to get another opportunity in this series right now. As, as my last preacher will be Christmas and then we'll have another week's gap. But I want to bring Candy into the story here. And um, you know it's an amazing thing. And there's a very challenging scripture as I've been reading Hebrews 13. Verse 7, it says this. It's a challenging scripture. It says, remember your leaders. And this was an easy scripture to read when I wasn't a leader. I was in one church for 20 years, and I used to be the scoundrel. I was that youth scoundrel. I, I ended up 
confession. I actually got kicked out of my youth. I didn't got celeb- I wasn't celebrated out of my youth. I was, didn't gel with the youth leader, so I was that kid. And then I stayed around, and I eventually they gave me a life group to lead, a, to, to lead and my nickname became the Dodgy Deacon. I was famous as the Dodgy Deacon in Glenridge. But then God did stuff, and eventually one day I became a leader. And I read this scripture, and it says, Remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I find this a a tough question, a, a tough challenge, because in this community, we happen to be part of the leadership. And so part of it is, I don't want that part of my life. No, consider the outcome of their way of life. I'd like Cairns to share some of her stories, because we want to make sure that we're a leadership that's accessible, that's real, that's vulnerable, that's honest. My challenge with doing church remotely and will download the preach is that you never get to see how my wife's doing or how my kids are doing or how we are, we are doing life. Part of leadership and, and, and talk, taking and teaching is not about, we'll do these three steps, take my teaching and do it. It's about showing. The greatest way of leadership is to show someone how to do it. I've got to show my kids how, how to, to walk streets Look left, look right. I've got to show them that, and I've got to do it time and time again. Part of leadership in community is to show people not to just speak from a pulpit, because we all have pulpits. You have pulpits. They're at your desk, and they're at the marketplace, and they're, they're at the coffee station at work, and they're when you're doing a deal. My pulpit just looks different. We all have pulpits, and we have opportunities to show and to reveal. But I want to bring Cairns in here just to... Bring you into our world a little bit for 10 minutes. Is that all right? Not to elevate or highlight, but, but we have the privilege of being leadership in this community, leaders in this community with the team. And, and I think sometimes people can look and they think, well, it's all dandy. It's all, all good. Those guys' kids never cry. Well, you know that's not the truth. Those guys' kids are always perfectly behaved. Well, you know that's not the truth. So let's get the obvious out the way. But actually, there's some situations and stuff that people don't know. And one of them, I, I married a girl, if I can just give Candy's little story in a few seconds, I, married a, I met a girl on a beachfront in March of 2000, who was straight out of the rave clubs of Johannesburg and Durban, who had moved to Durban for work, who had been dabbling in recreational drugs, and we ran to the rave clubs because her security lay in the fact that she'd done, who spent her life dancing. And so I met a very insecure girl who encountered a very confident, loving father named Jesus, named the Father, whose love was revealed through the Savior and the blood of Jesus. And I watched the love of God get into this life and bring confidence, bring courage, but it didn't happen overnight. And I want to bring you in at a part of Candy's life and our story where we had been brought into eldership in a church of two and a half thousand people. And we made this big decision for Jesus, and it's often when we make the big decisions, we think, well, God's going to do everything in our dreams. I don't know about you, it's like, well, I know people, it's like, I tithed this month, I gave this month, and God didn't. Oh, where's the promise? But we've got to hold, and we've got to stand. And one of them was, um, we struggled to fall pregnant, and, and Candace's story is far closer, so why don't you jump in there? The green light. Hold it. There we go. Coming. Coming. Just keep talking. 
Okay, good evening, everyone. Hi. <laughs> it's wonderful to be able to share. Thank you so much. And for those of you that were here this morning, sorry, you have to hear my story again. But um, I just, uh, yeah, I think, let me start, just to give you a little background, uh, just when, when Mark speaks about, uh, I grew up, I was quite an insecure little girl growing up. Uh, I'll give you a little background. Um, my mother was a believer. My father was an atheist. Uh, my parents got divorced uh, when I was going into high school. I didn't have a close relationship with my dad, so I didn't really, he wasn't very involved, uh, wasn't very affectionate, and I think that's it's quite a, I think a father, and especially in a little girl's life, is a, a, quite a key thing, you know, just to teach you just who you are and self-worth and value and all of those things. But I, I think also personality, I, I was just always very shy and insecure, and just to paint a bit of a picture, uh, at school, I had like one friend <laughs> um, throughout my whole schooling, and I wouldn't say boo or to anyone. I would never put my hand up and say anything. I would never, I would stand in front of class and do orals and just completely freeze because I was so petrified to talk in front of people. Um, but I think a lot of that also was just got to do with I didn't know the Lord. I, I, I gave my life, um, I shared the story this morning. I won't go into the whole thing, but. I gave my life to the Lord when I was about 21, and um, yeah, before that, uh, out of school, uh, I, I just wanted to get be accepted. I, I, you know, I wanted to be loved. I wanted to be accepted. I got involved with the wrong crowd. I got involved in the whole rave scene and drugs and all of that just because I wanted to be accepted. You know, I wanted to be loved and a part of something. Uh, I really didn't know have a lot of self worth and value, and um, I. I could dance. <laughs> That's the one thing I could do. I did dancing since I was three all my life. And rave, the whole rave scene is just about dancing and everything. And, I, you know, I could do that. So that I kind of I thought, well, I found myself. And, um, yeah, so anyway, I just, God just came into my life in a radical, radical way. It was just like a, an amazing 180-degree turn. God just radically came, his manifest presence. I felt the audible voice of God speak to me and say, will you lay down your life for me? Will you follow me wholeheartedly? I won't go into the whole story, but just incredible. Um, and I know for some of us, some of our stories are, it's a process and it's a longer process and it's over a couple of years. For others, it's like one God moment. And that was just my story. It was really, and I still had to learn and grow and all of that, but I really just, God came into my life and uh, gave my life to the Lord. I got involved in Glenridge Church where I met Mark and um, we started going out about four months later. But I just really gave myself to community. And if I could encourage any of us here is just to really get stuck in. Don't be on the outskirts. Come to prayer meetings. Come to the services. Come join a life group. Get to know people. God is, you, we walk this walk not on our own. We walk with community. We, we grow and we um, get healed through community. It, God doesn't want us to walk this thing alone. It's in community. And it's not always easy sometimes we can rub each other up the wrong, wrong way and, you know, there's issues and all of that, but none of us are perfect. But um, communi I, I can say, honestly say that I learned the Father heart. I learned about the Father's love. Uh, I, I, I learned who I was in Christ. I, um, my, my confidence grew and just because I knew who I was in Him and because I knew the loving Father. I remember just shedding many tears in worship and during the preach as Rory Dyer was preaching on the Father heart, I remember God just really getting deep inside and just healing this broken heart. And uh, I just remember, yeah, just, yeah. So I suppose just really finding out who I was in him, you know. 
Um, but I still battled a lot with anxiety. It's something I really battled with, anxiety and fear. I battled um, with this anxious spirit, this fearful spirit, even after I gave my life to the Lord. So that was a long journey of him releasing me and giving me freedom in that area. Uh, I don't say that I'm completely <laughs> the finished product. I, I don't think any of us are, you know. Um, we all works in progress. And, um, yeah, but he, I can honestly say he's given me incredible freedom. And I'd love to share some of the stuff and even some of the scriptures that, that, that helped me through that. Um, let me just turn there, sorry. Um, yeah, I battled a lot with anxiety and, and fear, and I think it reared its head in many, many different ways. I can name a few. I, I feared rejection. I feared man's opinion. I feared um, uh, the call of God on our lives. I know God had to deal with me radically before we came to Cape Town. Uh, I was very nervous. I was very afraid. I was just afraid. I knew God had called us to lead a church. I knew, but I, didn't <laughs> I was very afraid. Anyway, that's a long story. But... Um, yeah, fear of not being good enough, fear of not being a good enough mom, not being a good enough wife. And those are all just lies from the enemy. It's not, and it's, honestly, fear and anxiety, if we're honest with ourselves, actually it comes from a place of not believing God. It comes from a place of not trusting him. And um, yeah, it, it starts in our minds. It starts with our thoughts, you know, negative thinking. Um, and Romans 12 verse 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And this was a scripture that I really kept turning back to, you know, uh, through this process. And we can only renew our minds if we really, really um, know the word of God and we believe it to be true. And, you know, that's the only way. And uh, 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5 was another one. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we can only make those lies and those negative thinking obedient to Jesus if we honestly believe that what he says is true um, and that he has rulership in our lives mm. and he is Lord. Um, you can't make anything bow down to someone who's not Lord and who doesn't rule over everything. And um, we, so... You know, you can choose to either believe God and what he says and who he says he is, or you can choose to believe the enemy. You can choose to believe those fleshy thoughts that come into your head and the, the enemy's lies that come into your head a thousand times a day, or you can choose to believe him. And if you're not choosing to believe God, I really believe that actually automatically you're siding, well, you're agreeing with the enemy, you know. So um, that's why it's just so important to know the word, to get stuck into scripture, um, Another scripture was, um, which is quite a hectic one, Romans fourteen twenty three. It says, "Whatever is not from faith is sin." And I just, you know, so whatever is not from faith, whatever, whatever we do, whatever we think, whatever we feel, if it's not from a place of faith, if it's not from a place of honestly believing God and believing in Him and trusting Him and His promises, God actually calls that sin. So for me, unbelief actually is sin, and I think unbelief is just a root issue of anxiety and fear. You know. And um, faith is opposite of that. Faith is believing God. It's um, believing in who he is and what he's promised us. I mean, there's so many times that I can think of where I just haven't believed him. You know, even recently, there's times where I just, Lord, I don't, you know, believe. And God's just, I've just got to, like, get revelation of, the, of his word and what he said. And I've just got to take it, you know, and believe it. But um, I love what John Piper says. He says, Sin is what you feel and think and do when you are not taking God at his word and resting in his promises. I love that. Sin is what you feel, think and do when you are not taking God at his word and resting in his promises. 
Um, and, and I love that resting in his promises. It's not a striving. Yes, we work hard to spend time with God and make sure we're disciplined and all of that and studying the word, but it's resting in him. It's actually just believing is resting. It's resting in him. It's knowing him. It's, it's believing him. Um, I, also, I love Psalm 42 verse 5 where David preaches to his own soul and he says, why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil with turmoil within me. Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. And I just think this is so important in our fight, um, our fight of faith. We must learn to preach the gospel to ourselves. I mean, I think often we, we listen more to ourselves than talk to ourselves. I don't know if, you, if I'm making sense, but you know, those lies that come into your head, that negative thinking, the fleshy thoughts, are we listening to that? Or are we actually saying, actually listen, soul, and listen, self, I will declare the promises of God, and this is what God says. And, um, yeah, just that has really, really helped me, you know. Uh, so it's been a process. It's been a, a long journey, and um, I'm still learning today. And, yeah, so that's some of the, that story. Yeah, I think um, part of the challenge is, is we can think that even anxiety is like a, a, a personality disposition. Some people are dis- disposed to anxiety, and actually... The truth is every person struggles with it. And only unless we find ourselves in our identity, in who we are as sons and daughters of God, will that thing be settled. And I think what I saw with Cairns is, is a journey through that, through some child, through some challenge. I think, why don't you, why don't you mention, uh, do you want to mention Judah and, and the journey that happened yeah. early on? Okay. Um, yeah, uh, just another story. And we've all got different stories here, and I'm sure some of you have incredible stories, but my story, when um, we just come onto eldership at Glenridge, um, we battled to fall pregnant uh, for about, a, we battled for about two yeah, years, yeah. two and a half years. The doctors said that I would never fall pregnant without the help of um, medication, that my progesterone was very low, I, w- I wasn't ovulating, and uh, my progesterone was just below low, it was, it was nothing. And uh, they, the doctor basically just said, uh, I had tears in my eyes, crying in his, his rooms, and he just said, you know, you're going to need to take Clomid, and we're going to have to up it if it doesn't work every month until we get results. And um, so we did that, and we tried for the third time at, at just the Clomid. We upped the dosage for the third time, and still no results. And then at some stage, Mark and I just kind of, we actually just felt in God, you know what, we, we're going to trust him. And I know for everybody it's different, but for us, we really felt God speak to us. We, were, we had a couple of prophetic words that were spoken about our, our child, and we just held on to that. And uh, we just thought, let's leave the medication, let's trust God, and just wait on Him. And uh, no, it wasn't easy. Uh, I remember just a whole lot of ladies falling pregnant all around me all the time in a big church of 2,000 people. Um, and being on leadership, we would pray for people um, that were battling for years and years and years, and they would have breakthrough. And I just think, yo, Lord, where's my breakthrough? What's going on here? So it, it was difficult. But I, I remember also at a prayer meeting that Ryan Matthews was leading, he had a word of knowledge, uh, just a word, and God had given him a word about a lady struggling with certain, he listed a whole bunch of symptoms, which was exactly what I had. And I just, something just leapt in my heart, and I just thought, Lord, okay, I'm going to take that. I really believe that word's for me. And I could, there were about 200 people in the meeting. It could have been for a couple of ladies. But I just thought, you know what? I remember going on my knees. I remember just the presence of God. I was just crying before him for healing. And I took that thing and I just thought, you know what? This is for me. I know you've got this for us. You're going to heal me. I cried out for healing. 
And in Hebrews 11 verse 1, I'm just reminded, it says, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. And you know what? We can be sure of what we hope for and we can be certain of what we do not see because we don't look within ourselves. We look beyond ourselves to a God who is true, a God who is faithful to his promises. Um, faith, I love this, that faith isn't seeing the tangible. It's, it's being fully persuaded that actually we will see it. And that good old saying that seeing is believing is not always true when it comes to faith. Actually, believing is not, not seeing, you know. Um, we believe even when we don't see is what I mean. Um, it's, uh, it's like waiting for the sun to rise the next day. You know that it's going to come. You just don't see it yet. It's, I suppose that's an example. But um, then about two, year, two and a half years later, um, Mark and I were leading a student camp at the time. And there was a whole evening of where God was just ministering and uh, healing people. And I just remember just <laughs> I came right to the front on my just lying flat on the ground. I just felt his presence. I was just felt the Holy Spirit. And uh, I really felt like God is going to heal me that night. And um, Gabe, a funny little skinny redhead, <laughs> came up to me. Yes, the one walk. you know. Gabe, he's that, now in eldership one. with us. But shame, sweet. Um, <laughs> he didn't know us. We didn't know him. He didn't know our story. But how amazing is this? He had a, a prophetic word for, a, a, for me. He came to Mark and said, I've got a, a, a word for your wife, for her womb, <laughs> for her womb. So Mark said, okay, go for it, pray. And uh, he knelt down. I was crying and just, yeah, just under the presence of God. And, and he just said, I just feel like Jesus wants to remove the tombstone from your womb and he wants to call forth light, uh, life. Just like the story, I don't know if you guys know it, where, where, um, the story of Lazarus, where Jesus uh, asked him to remove the tombstone and called, he called out Lazarus from the tomb who'd been dead for three days or something. He called him out, and he, he was alive. He rose from the dead. And so he wanted to do that with my womb. And um, I just, yeah, two weeks, uh, was it two weeks later, yeah, we fell pregnant with our beautiful little boy, Judah. So just amazing. And then our two little kitties after that came very easily. So that was quite cool, praise Jesus. Um, but, yeah, so that's really, really awesome. I think. I just I want to comment. I think the testimony for when you're closer to a story, you see the inner workings. You see the dealings. And um, I think the testimony of that story for me is, is God did a miracle. I mean, we had a doctor say God did a miracle. That, that's awesome. But I saw a miracle unfold in front of me of a girl who I met was unbelievably insecure, unbelievably anxious, walk a road with her father. I think um, behind the scenes, there wasn't falling apart. And I know I'm a husband and I, but I didn't, she didn't fall apart. It wasn't like emotions overcame. It was a holding on to, actually, God has been faithful. God is faithful. God is true. And I'm going to hold on to him. And, 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 and I think the church that can look like that, that can walk the journey, and we do want to see the breakthrough, but we also want to see the journey. It's important. I think we'll see things that we never dreamed. And that's why I think that story is incredibly encouraging. God does want to fill wombs, barren wombs. God does want to fill barren careers. He wants to fill barren everything because he's the God who makes all things new, and, um, which is amazing. I think one of the things that Ken shared this morning, and I'm going to ask her to share it again, is, is an issue around insomnia. Is that we had this little kid who was a bundle of life and joy and a blessing, and then I got a wife who became an insomniac overnight, which is really hard for someone who sleeps unbelievably well. 
I sleep like the dead, and I would get these kicks in the middle of the night. Are you awake? Well, you've just kicked me, so obviously I'm awake. And, um, and I just want Kans just to share a journey, that journey, because I think, and the reason I want, to share, I want her to share some of these stories is, is we arrived here two years ago, and this church accepted us and embraced us so warmly. But there was a God process way before that, that started many, many years before, where he took insecure, broken people, and yes, the lead elder's wife used to do drugs, and yes, they had problems, and yes, but you know what? This is the church. We all have our brokenness. We all have stories, and ultimately, those stories are there as signposts and wonders pointing to the King of Kings. That's all it is. That's all our testimonies are. They're just signs and wonders pointing to the King of Kings. And, and maybe you want to share just two minutes around just insomnia and that journey. Yeah. Um, so after receiving this amazing promise that, and having this promise fulfilled, this beautiful baby boy, um, I think due to my uh, still battling with anxiety and stuff at times, that whole of the first year, uh, I just got full-blown insomnia. I think it started with just being anxious about not falling back to sleep after his feeds. So in my mind, would just go, you know, oh, gosh, I'm not going to be able to fall back to sleep. And I just got myself into this horrible state. So I got anxious about not sleeping. The more anxious I got, the less I slept. The, more, the less I slept, the more anxious I got. So it was just this vicious cycle, and it eventually just spiraled down to insomnia. And it was just the, the worst time, I think, in my life. I think I was really down. I, I, I'm not very good with little sleep, even. I have my boy. I get quite um. grumpy. Um, yeah. <laughs> just when I don't have a good What's night. What's the right answer? But to have a year of not sleeping, uh, I couldn't cope. I, I couldn't function. I, couldn't, I could hardly even talk to Mark. I, I could hardly handle Judah. Uh, I just uh, was, not, was not coping. I was ready to book myself into a sleep clinic. <laughs> um, I just didn't know what to do. And I remember just being so desperate and asking everybody to just, and anybody to just pray for me because God needs to heal me now. Everybody. Everybody, I would ask, the, I think I asked the elders about, I don't know, three times or something. I just says it in the word, I've asked the elders to pray for you. Yeah. But uh, you know what? I had this revelation moment where God just said to me, actually, my girl, you know what? You're trusting more in people's prayers than in me, Jesus, healing you. And I just thought, oh, my word, you know what? He just stopped me in my tracks, and it's like the penny just dropped. I'm trusting more in these people praying for me than Lord Jesus, the healer, coming to heal me. And uh, anyway, but um, it was a long road, and God eventually, I got out of that whole cycle, and I really believe that God got me through that. But um, I just wanted to encourage us on, on that whole thing that, um, sorry, I've lost my place. No. Just hold on a second. <laughs> um, yeah, just that, I also just want to mention, it's not a bad thing to ask people to pray for you. God uses it. And in the Bible, there's people that have faith that, pray for people and they get healed and God definitely uses that. But I think the key thing is, who are we actually trusting for our breakthrough and who are we believing? Are we believing in the people praying for us and all of that or are we believing in Jesus? And um, I also remember just something else and all of these stories and stuff that I'm sharing, I remember being able to quote scriptures left, right and center, know them off by heart. Uh, I could quote them, you know, and um, but which of those scriptures did I really, really take and believe in my heart, you know, it needed to almost drop from my head to my heart, and I needed revelation of this, and um, I just, I, I just think 
so many times we, we don't have first-hand revelation. A lot of us have second-hand revelation through the preachers and uh, coming on Sundays and whatever. But actually, we need to be spending intimate quality time with God where we're praying and worshiping and in His Word and we are where the, the Spirit of God and the Word of God just work in our hearts and we take it and we believe it. And so it's not just the Word, it's the Holy Spirit as well. He enables us. He empowers us. If it's just the Word, it's like religion. It could be just a religious, clinical way of yeah. doing things. It actually has no power. So you can know your Bible and you can know the promises and the Word, but if, you're not, if you don't have the Holy Spirit to help you um, get revelation of this, I don't know if I'm making sense. It's good. Yeah, um, I think that helps, you know? It's yeah. good. Is that helpful? You know, I think... Um, to consider your leaders, you've got to know some of their story. And the challenges in a growing church and a community, we, we probably won't, everyone, do a meal together or have a moment together. Possibly, there's a possibility. But we want to make sure that there's an accessibility, that there's a, a realness to our story. One of the, the values for us as a church and as a leadership is we want our lives to be available to each other at every level. We want to do life together. We want to face the challenges. And I think part of it is when you don't think people have faced the challenges that you're facing or face challenges at all, you don't turn to people. You don't look to people. You don't ask for help. You don't ask for the prayer. And, and the challenges, we all need it. We've all got the stories of, of growth. And I want to read just a line. I was started reading it. But of what faith is. And I, I wrote this down. Faith is utterly in love with all that God will be for us beyond the grave. Faith loves God more than life. Faith loves God more than the family. Faith loves God more than job or retirement plans or ministry or writing books or building the dream house or making the first million. Faith says whether God handles me tenderly or gives me over to torture, I love him. He is my reward. The builder of the city I long for, the treasure beyond the riches of Egypt and the possession that surpasses all other and abides forever. Faith is to love God, it's to know him, to hold on to him, when the winds blow, to be able to turn back to him. And that's all the series is really about. Are you crazy? Well, to love God, you can't see, you can't touch, you can't know. Well, you can't, you can't touch him and he will speak. But sometimes it's going to look crazy to those around you, more than sometimes. When Wally and Shirley got in a car and drove to Cape Town from Freyheit with their two daughters and started a church in Nine Jenny Lane, they went to their neighbors and said, do you want to come to life group? They said, what night is life group? Well, he said, well, what night do you want it to be? People are going to go, How did, that's crazy. Who does that? Wayne and Jen going to Site 5 starting. This is the end product of years of faithfulness and scorn. And, and not scorn, but just going in with little fruit at times. Others, and you've got stories of going in. We want to be a community that cultivates and see that life erupt. And wherever it starts, to see the end goal come. Whether it goes through insomnia, it goes through challenges of seeing barrenness in times and for seasons. We're going to be a community that will keep holding on to God, keep calling out to Him, and keep doing things that the world around us will keep asking, are you crazy? And if you're looking into this community saying, I'm thinking about joining, that's the community you're joining. We'll keep asking God to heal the sick, to raise the dead. We'll keep asking Him for favor. We'll keep asking Him for the grumpiest of neighbors to come to receive his grace and his love. We'll keep being those people. And so thank you for hearing some of our story tonight. And just to say, as part of the leadership, and, and some are here tonight of the leaders and some aren't, it's an incredible privilege for us to be a part of leadership in this community. We really do love it. We really do treasure it. 
and, and we treasure you as people and the stories there. And we want to thank you for what has been an amazing, amazing year, a year of faith, of seeing people saved. I look around this room, and I can see some stories. I know some stories. Um, As I look around this morning, I see the stories of God's grace. We want to keep accessing that grace and asking.